1: Welcome, everybody, to the Pod's Honest Truth. How about Ringo Starr on the drums today as part of the intro band? Got to like that. Thank you, Ringo Starr, for coming on in. <sighs> Wish we had Ringo Starr on the drums. We don't, but that's fine. The drummer, whoever that is, the generic drummer on the Pod's Honest Truth intro band, doing a pretty good job, I must say. Hope all is well. Uh, happy Monday. Uh, that's when we're we're recording this. Uh, coronavirus, uh, as you might imagine, just continues on. Uh, Into the foreseeable future at this point, the death toll now more than 40,000. We are reopening America. Hooray for us. Uh, Phase one, phase two, phase three, and then boom, we're back into uh, a relatively normal America. Of course, in a way, America may not be normal Again, I mean, what will going out to restaurants look like? We've talked, we're talking about disposable menus. We're talking about waiters with masks, uh, no shareable appetizers, all that type of stuff. Who knows? We'll get to all of that sometime in the future. Beaches in Florida are open. So as you might imagine, um, lots of folks uh, went down there uh, right after it opened. Thousands uh, went onto the beach. Uh, Can't sunbathe. So (laughs) go ahead and walk and go in the water. Anyhow, I'm going a little stir-crazy. I don't know about you. I need a haircut for sure. Um, I'm kind of like Fabio at, at some point here. I am looking like Fabio, of course, without the good looks. So that pretty much leaves me looking like Chewbacca from Star Wars. Uh, and of course, I have a face and a haircut for podcasting. So that's where I'm at at this point. I think eventually I'm going to be banned from television. Uh, but uh, CBN, uh, the Christian Broadcasting Network, where uh, where I do television, they'll have to kind of take a look at what I look like and then make the, the final judgment call on that. Hey, today on the podcast, we go one-on-one with Mark... Lauder he's the director of strategic communications for the Donald Trump 2020 campaign he's also a former special assistant to the president and to the press secretary as well lots to discuss with mark we're going to discuss Biden by the way did you hear the other day he called covid 19 he called it covid 9 <sighs> so he came up 10 digits short okay uh, also discussing mail-in balloting with Lauder and also the changing campaign style due to the coronavirus. We'll touch on that. And what about going after Bernie voters? It was easier, you would think, when he, he Donald Trump, was going up against Hillary Clinton. But can that same effect happen when Donald Trump is taking on Joe Biden? So we'll talk about that all with Mark Lauder a little bit later in the podcast. First, though, Kaylee McEnany, the new White House press secretary. I know her well. Let me just say this straight up. And I'm from New York, so I can say it like this. She doesn't take any crap. I'm just going to let you know right now. She she doesn't. And first of all, the far left in the media, uh, they were none too pleased with Sarah Sanders. Well, get ready for Kaylee McEnany because they're about to do the same to her as well. Why? Look, Sarah Sanders, Kaylee McEnany have a lot in common. They're both very strong. They're intel- intelligent. They're conservative women. And here's the thing. They both have a deep Christian faith. And guess what? They're defending Trump. A Christian woman defending Trump. That does not play well with the far left in the media. It drives them nuts. So you can expect Sarah Sanders part two when it comes to Kaylee McEnany. I truly believe she is going to end up probably being their worst nightmare. Not only is she super smart, she doesn't back down. She delivers knockout blows. And here's the thing, straight up, folks, she's full throttle. She is in your face. She will not back down. And let's be honest, the left and the media love when conservatives, especially conservative Christians, back down, and she will not do that. Already, they're on her case for something she said back in fe- February. Now, she was on with Trish Regan from Fox News at the time. This was February 25th. And Kelly Kelly McEnany said this, we will not see diseases like the coronavirus come here. So, As you might imagine, the coronavirus, oh, have you heard? It did come here. And so now the media has decided to just pile on uh, McEnany because of those comments, because, oh, I don't know, she's not Nostradamus. Okay, look, she didn't, uh, she wasn't predicting it correctly. She says her words were taken out of context. We'll get to that in a moment. But they're now calling her a liar. And how could she be White House press secretary? Because she lies. And here comes the whole Sarah Sanders stuff. All over again, this time with Kayleigh McEnany. So I want you to listen to this clip and then we'll talk about it on the backside. Here it is. Looking at the coronavirus and the president saying, you know, look, we're not going to take people in from China right now. I mean, isn't it just a matter of protecting us, our national security really being at stake? And he's sort of the last line of defense there, or first line, I should say. Absolutely. This president will always put America first. He will always protect American citizens. We will not see diseases like the coronavirus come here. We will not see terrorism come here. And isn't that refreshing when contrasting it with the awful presidency of President Obama? All right, so here's the deal. Look, she said the words, we will not see diseases like the coronavirus come here. But let's remember, it seems to be taken out of context. Matter, matter of fact, that's what uh, McEnany says. And if you listen to the whole clip, and by the way, we played you the whole clip because the media is not playing the full clip. They're just playing those words that she said. But in the full clip, she's specifically referring to Trump's moves to limit and ban travel from China. All right, so if you listen again, she's actually responding to how President Trump's China travel ban was basically a bold step. So, that's right, here comes a line. So, that we will not see diseases like the coronavirus come here. In other words, she was basically saying, look, the president is taking steps to make sure the coronavirus doesn't come here. Now, could she have said it a little bit differently? Sure, does that make her a full out liar? Give me a break, give me a break. And speaking about far left uh, and media hypocrisy, How about Nancy Pelosi? So Nancy Pelosi, four days later, remember, Kayleigh McEnany said that on February 25th. Four days later, on February 29th, Nancy Pelosi goes into Chinatown in San Francisco and says, you should come to Chinatown. As a matter of fact, here's the audio. Let me play it. You should come to Chinatown. Precautions have been taken by our city. Uh, We know that there is a concern about tourism, traveling all throughout the world. uh, But we think it's very safe to be in Chinatown and hope that others will come. Okay, so let me get this straight. Nancy Pelosi says you should come to Chinatown. Come on, get out of your houses. Let's go. No problem. And not any criticism at all. And the far left and the media, especially the media, silent on those words from Nancy Pelosi. However, with Kayleigh McEnany on February 25th, four days later, when she says, we'll never see the coronavirus. Well, the actual words are, we will not see diseases like the coronavirus come here. They're all over her for that. But Nancy Pelosi basically telling people to come on into Chinatown. You should come. Well, how about, wait a minute, maybe you shouldn't come to Chinatown looking back at it, right? No, we never hear that criticism. Only that Donald Trump should have done more. And then when Donald Trump did do more with the travel ban, they're on his case for the travel ban. Look, it is hypocrisy at its finest. And how about media hypocrisy part two, Anderson Cooper on March 4th. This is fully almost more than a week later after Kelly McEnany says what she said. Anderson Cooper says, quote, you should be more concerned about the flu. This is Anderson Cooper saying that on March 4th, not January, not February. We're now into March, and he's saying you should be more concerned about the flu. You don't believe me? Here's the clip. Half
0: the people in America do not get a flu shot, and the flu right now is far deadlier. So if you're freaked out at all about the coronavirus, you should be more concerned about the flu.
1: So there you have it. Anderson Cooper saying you should be more concerned about having the flu And yet he gets a pass. The left says nothing about it. No, it's always Trump's fault. It's always Kaylee McEnany's fault. It's always Sarah Sanders fault. This is what the media and the left do. But here at Just the News and the Pod's Honest Truth, the name of this podcast, by the way, we're going to set the record straight. We're going to make sure you hear what they actually said and play it in full context. You know, it really does remind me of hypocrisy and You know, I like what Benjamin Franklin used to say about hypocrisy and pointing the fingers. He said this, clean your finger before you point at my spots. And that is something the media could definitely, definitely know, hear and use every single day. Or maybe this Italian proverb. How about this about pointing fingers? This is what the Italians say. Never point out the mistakes of another with a dirty finger. That's what the media does on a daily basis. Back in a moment with Mark Lauder from the Trump campaign on the Paz Honest Truth.
0: Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing
1: Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes.
0: There really is no place like home.
1: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. And welcome back to the Pod's Honest Truth. All right, Time now for my interview with Mark Lauder, the Director of Strategic Communication for Donald Trump's 2020 re-election campaign, Uh, we get into a lot. Uh, You know, we've had uh, Mercedes Schlapp on the show before. We've had Laura Trump on the podcast, uh, both with the campaign. And they went there when it comes to Joe Biden's mental health. So we'll ask Mark Lauder about that. He goes there as well. And and look, if you look at uh, what's going on behind closed doors, there's a big question about uh, whether or not, Donald Trump is going to hold these rallies again. Now, of course, the campaign wants to hold these rallies. It's very important that Trump uh, hold these rallies for a myriad of reasons, which we're going to get into in the interview. But I think what we're going to probably find out is that a lot of these rallies most likely will start in some of those phase one, phase two, phase three states early on. In other words, uh, whether it be that Texas or uh, maybe even Ohio uh, and some other ones where um, they're a little bit ahead of the curve, and these rallies can take place before some of those, obviously, those other states and let's say, a, maybe a California or New York or, you know, those type of places. Anyhow, we'll get into all of that with Mark Lauder here on The Pod's Honest Truth. Mark Lauder, thanks for uh, joining us here on The Pod's Honest Truth. Good to see you. Uh, thanks for having me, David. Hey, look, uh, I don't even know where to begin when it comes to campaigning. What does campaigning look like right at, right, now? along these days specifically as it relates to this uh, coronavirus situation. What are you guys doing exactly? Well,
0: I think one of the biggest misconceptions was that just what you saw in the president's rallies were the campaign. And really all of the the, the legwork, the the basic blocking and tackling, uh, it was going on before the coronavirus and it's going on during the coronavirus. In fact, we have made about 10 million phone calls in about the last month added nearly 300,000 volunteers in just the last month alone and of course our fundraising is continuing to be very very strong and that's because we have such a huge digital presence and data advantage so while the president the vice president are focused on doing what they're supposed to be doing in the white house dealing with the coronavirus the the real the, the that basic work of the campaign goes on and uh, it continues on virtually even if it's not out there uh, you know, on a stage.
1: Well, here's what continues to go on and on. The, the Joe Biden gaffe machine, and, and quite frankly, uh, he, he's the first one to admit. I mean, he called himself a gaffe machine, uh, the latest one being uh, clearly he's working on the COVID-9 uh, new plan instead of the COVID. He was 10 digits short. So wondering about what you think about Biden, and, and you know, I've had uh, Laura Trump on here. before. I've had Mercedes as well. They've both really gone there as it relates to his uh, mental acuity. Uh, what, is, what is your sense there of what Biden is bringing or maybe not bringing from a mental standpoint?
0: Well, I think obviously everybody can see it for themselves and make their own determination. Uh, you know, you even had, you know, last night on, on CNN, this an, this answer that even left the CNN host just kind of puzzled with what, what he was talking about, losing uh, his train of thought, even forgetting what year nine eleven took place. Uh, but even more so, what I think it's actually showing is that Joe Biden is the same bad candidate he was two months ago when the Democrat Party left him for politically dead. The problem was was that Michael Bloomberg imploded and so they either had to go with Bernie or find somebody else and Biden was the only other alternative. And I don't think that the Democrat Party settled on Joe Biden as their candidate, I think they settled for Joe Biden as their candidate, with his horrible fundraising, the gaffes, the lack of a digital operation, and none of those things has changed. So they've made their decision, they've settled for Joe Biden, and now it's going to be on to uh, the real race to November.
1: You know, Mark, you got a decent size in 2016 of the Bernie vote, if you will. It was kind of more of an anti-Hillary vote. But, well, I shouldn't really say that. I mean, it was kind of, they bought into trade and other things that Donald Trump was doing. Uh, But do you expect, how much do you expect you to be just as successful this time around? Because there's a sense that, yes, those Bernie folks, some of them did vote for Trump, but some of it was anti-Hillary. And I'm wondering if you think you can get those same numbers this time with Biden. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Joe Biden definitely does not encourage a
0: lot of enthusiasm on the Democrat side. We've seen that. We've seen it also even in some of the mainstream media publications talking about how Joe Biden is already losing this election online, on the internet, via social media. It's just because he doesn't have that that kind of presence. But what I would even say is not only is it just about attracting disaffected Bernie voters, what we have seen through the early part of this campaign cycle when we, there was voting going on in New Hampshire and on Super Tuesday, uh, and then when the president was having those campaign rallies is that 20 to 25% of the people who were signing up for those rallies were registered Democrats. About 15 to 20% didn't vote in 2016. And then you take a look at the energy on the Republican side, where Donald Trump got more votes of any incumbent president of either party more, going back to before Reagan, I mean, he got more than Obama in 12, Bush in 04. He even got more votes than Ronald Reagan in 1984. And so when you have people who are willing to take time off of work, time away from their family, stand in line in inclement weather to cast a ballot in an election that's already been decided it shows you there is a lot of energy, a lot of support for the president. And I think once we start gearing up again, obviously from a public standpoint, and moving toward November, you're gonna see that, that energy come out even in, even in a more full force.
1: Mark, is there any sense in terms of gearing up with these rallies when they may start again? I know it's going to be case by case. I know it'll be day to day, week to week and all of that. But I I would think after seeing some of these guidelines that maybe there might be a chance to do some rallies in some of those uh, states that... you know that that didn't get affected as much as some others what's your sense about rallies right now
0: well I think it's twofold one obviously we need to make sure that, that, that those states have gone through the protocols they have gotten through the the guidelines to where they can safely open up and have large crowds uh, the other thing I think that we that we have to take into consideration is the fact that people come to these rallies from all over the country mm-hmm. and and obviously we have seen this so often is that people will drive many many hours and thousands of miles miles to go see President Trump at a rally. So we need to make sure that we're doing the right thing. And, and obviously, we'll work closely with the public health professionals, both in the localities and obviously at the federal level and the statewide levels, to make the decision but rest assured, whether there's rallies or not rallies, we know that the work of the campaign is going to continue. In fact, we're doing online programming every night of the week right now. And each night, our online programs are averaging more than a million viewers per night. That shows you there's a lot of energy out there to support the president, see the latest information coming from the campaign. And, uh, and that's something we're going to continue to do.
1: So you clearly believe you have an advantage from a virtual standpoint over Joe Biden, not just the bully pulpit, but what you're doing from a campaign standpoint?
0: Oh, there's no question. I, I mean, we all we already know we had the digital advantage from 2016, and all we have done is grow that presence even more. In fact, you know, it's been widely reported and discussed how how sophisticated the the digital operation that we have is, and the way the campaign is organized under Brad Parscale. You know, we are very nimble. We're very. Uh, ability to our ability to tailor our message to reach out to people with messages that impact them is is rivaled by no one it is clearly uh, above and beyond and meanwhile when you see joe biden still struggling barely able to get a couple of 100,000 people maybe on a good day uh, to watch any of his videos compared to our millions And that's not even with the president, that's with people like me. Uh, When we can do that, you know we've got a pretty strong uh, foundation of support.
1: Mark, some criticism for the president, obviously, on the coronavirus uh, situation. Uh, The Pew Research poll just out on the last day or so saying that most Americans thought it was a bit slow to respond. I know China and the travel ban and all, I get all that. But this is what Americans are saying, at least in a pretty respected Pew poll. They're also saying that they're concerned that we may go a little too fast back to reopen the economy. How much of this is going to be on the president to make sure this goes well? Otherwise, that could be problems for the campaign going forward.
0: Well, it's always on when you're the leader, when you're the elected official, it it all falls upon you. And a lot of people, I think, are giving the president correctly praise for acting when he did Mm -hmm. to shut down travel from China in the affected areas. While at the same time you had the mayor of New York, you had Nancy Pelosi encouraging people to continue to go out and celebrate the Chinese, the Lunar New Year uh, in their communities. You had obviously, you know, a lot of problems with that. And the president was attacked. For being xenophobic and racist by Joe Biden and many other people when he took that decisive early step. And I think as we start to come out of this, and as we see states emerging from from the shutdowns, as we see the economy kicking back up, then I think people are going to realize that the way the president handled this was best for our public health and our economic health. And to be honest with you, when you're looking at, a, when you're looking at that economy, that such that strong economy we had going into it, thank goodness we had a strong economy going into it. When you compare that with Joe Biden, and the architect of the slowest economic recovery since the Great Depression, I think a lot of people are going to say, we want the man who built the rocket ship to get us back on that rocket ship post-coronavirus, and that'll be easy choice with President Trump. So I think as more and more people emerge from this, they will have more comfort in the fact of how this was handled and how we're preparing for the next one. And that bodes well for President Trump.
1: I would assume, Mark, that uh, most Americans, and we've seen polling on this, they're not going to necessarily hold the president responsible for the bad economy right now, obviously, because there was nothing he could have necessarily done to stem that tide, Uh, but they will hold him responsible for how he moves forward on this. I'm wondering about how concerned the campaign is to not just reopen the economy, but get some of those economic numbers at least back up and not hit, uh, go from a recession to a depression. I mean, I understand there's extenuating circumstances here, but still never quite great to run a reelect campaign in the middle of a potential depression.
0: Well, and I think that's one of the things that when uh, when the president outlined uh, just this week, the phases to open up the economy, he was very clear that it's going to be up to the states to make those decisions as they reach those benchmarks as they're showing success and preparation, they will be the ones that make the decision to be able to reopen their economies. We're already starting to see the initial signs that some states are ready to go right now. We know that places like New York, New Jersey, and some others like that are going to be toward the tail end uh, of the state's reopening because they have been the epicenter of this. So we can point to a successful reopening as states are able to meet the standards, as public health is taken into consideration. And I one thing I know is that the American people are ready to get going again, and which is a very difficult contrast when you look at the Democrats. So that you know the president led the charge for the Paycheck Protection Program to make sure that people who are employed by small businesses stay on their payrolls, keep getting their paychecks, keep getting on their benefits, keep those small businesses whole. And now you see the Democrats, Joe Biden, the leader now of the Democrat Party, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer playing political games. When our small businesses need help and the people who work for them need help of staying open, you see Nancy Pelosi noshing on her $100 a gallon ice cream and playing games while people are out there losing their jobs and their paychecks. It's a very, it's a very stark contrast. It's not something I think the American people are going to stand for.
1: Well, you mentioned the small business uh, loans and and the politics playing there. I do want to ask you about politics when it comes to mail-in balloting. They've also, the Democrats, have tried to push this as well, in essence, a full-on mail-in balloting balloting, uh, throughout the country. Uh, Talk to me about the politics of that. And, uh, well, let's start with that. Talk to me about the politics of what Democrats are trying to do here.
0: Well, this is nothing more than the Democrats just trying to fulfill another one of their radical liberal wish lists. Uh, We've seen it with trying to attach the Green New Deal. Joe Biden just talked about that. We see that with them trying to increase access to to, uh, mail-in voting. And what we have seen, we can go back, the Heritage Foundation has actually identified more than 1,000 cases of verifiable voter fraud. You can go back to the 2005 bipartisan federal election uh, commission that was looking at changes in federal election law that was led by Jimmy Carter and James Baker. And they even identified mail-in absentee ballots as one of the largest areas for potential fraud. We know it's not safe, we know it's not secure, and we know that there are a lot of possibilities there, along with the Democrats' ballot harvesting, to put undue influence to try to cheat the system, game the system, and actually cast illegal ballots on behalf, of, uh, on behalf of, of people. That's not something we should be going to during this election. It's not something we should be doing uh, as a last ditch effort without fully exercising all of the, the planning necessary, the security measures that are necessary on a wide scale basis.
1: So, Mark, just to push back on that, in terms of what about the argument of disenfranchising voters, for example, the ones that, hey, look, if they don't feel safe going to a, to a place to cast their ballot, what's wrong with increases in mail-in balloting? Or are you saying that there's no middle ground here? Couldn't there be an increase a little bit in mail-in balloting, though?
0: Well, most states already have uh, have mechanisms in place for people who are not able to get themselves to the polls on election day, and I'm sure that that, that, that would continue to suffice, but there is a big difference between folks who are using the built-in all, uh, absentee systems that we already have in place on a state-by-state basis rather than just generically mailing out ballots to every registered voter in America when we know the voter rolls are bloated, when we know that they are inaccurate, when they know that there is an ample opportunity there for fraud. And so I, I'm not an election law expert or an elections expert, but I think that there are enough red flags with that, with that part of the Democrats' mail-in voting scheme to keep us grounded and moved away from it, because it's just not secure, while we do have obviously already uh, absentee ballot programs in place.
1: My final question to you, Mark. 2016, uh, Donald Trump, not President Trump, but Donald Trump at the time ran against Hillary Clinton. Now President Trump will run against Joe Biden. Who's, uh, Who's a tougher opponent? I mean, what's your sense there within the campaign?
0: Well, I always view the toughest opponent as our next opponent. So uh, I, will, uh, I will go with the one that we actually are going to be facing. It appears in, in Joe Biden, and and I think one of the big, the biggest things we're already starting to see is that Joe Biden, after basically securing the nomination, has done something that that candidates don't do. They usually go back to the middle once they secure their party's nomination. But we see Joe Biden actually running even further to the radical extreme left. And as we talked about earlier, President Trump is already siphoning away Democrat votes in the middle. And now you see Joe Biden still out there pushing the Green New Deal, pushing raising taxes on day one, which is never a good idea when you're trying to be in an economic recovery mode. All of these radical policies trying to placate the squad and the, the liberals, which is where the energy is on that radical uh, side of the Democrat Party, uh, he's further going to alienate the middle. And uh, that's going to bode well, for, very well for President Trump.
1: So that's interesting you brought that up because I've talked to Democrat strategists and they admit there is a choice that has to be made. Is Biden going to go left in the general or, or track to the middle? Uh, every Usually you just track to the middle. Obviously, that's the smart play. You're saying, though, that it appears that if they're going to that they're not going to do that. that, they think they think that maybe we'll just let those rust belt voters go and try to get those progressives and millennials and maybe some suburban women and the Bernie folks and try to win it on a progressive platform? Is that, is that what you're suggesting?
0: Uh, I think that's clearly their plan right now. And they've already done it. I mean, let's remember Joe Biden, who for 40 plus years opposed taxpayer funding for abortion. When he got into this race, he reversed that policy immediately, now supports taxpayer funded abortion up to the moment of birth. He has gone to the Green New Deal. He has has openly talked about putting millions of blue-collar workers out of their jobs with the Green New Deal and radical energy policies, free health care for illegal immigrants. He's talked about stopping the deportation of criminal illegal aliens. I mean, these are all very radical policies uh, being put forth by Joe Biden. and He's not walking them back. He's actually adding more to it.
1: Mark Lauder with the Trump campaign. Mark, thanks, and stay safe there uh, wherever you are out there in, in, in America. You too,
0: David. Good talk to you.
1: That is Mark Lauder here on the pod's Honest Truth. And just some final comments about that. Obviously, we are going into a very different presidential campaign, one that we've never really seen before. It's going to be a bit virtual. It'll be a bit different, as whether it relates to rallies or how both candidates communicate to the public, uh, here's some good news though for Joe Biden. Uh, the new NBC Wall Street Journal poll—he's uh, up seven points nationally on President Trump. Now, remember, take it with a grain of salt, right? I mean, Hillary Clinton was up double digits a few weeks before uh, the election in 2016, and how did that turn out for uh, Hillary Clinton? Well, put it this way: President is not one of her titles. All right, uh, now. Even though Biden is up seven points among registered voters, 49 to 42 percent, it is down from his nine point advantage about a month ago. So that's something to think about. Also in the swing states, and there are going to be 11 of them. Donald Trump is trailing right now to Biden, 49 to 43 percent. So we'll see how all that plays out. By the way, you want to know the swing states? Here you go. Take your notes uh, if you're if you're driving. And I'm, not many of us are driving nowadays because of coronavirus. I mean, we're driving, but we're not doing it as much. Um, so, but if you are driving, don't like, you know, like crash the car or anything when you're taking down these swing state numbers, but uh, swing state uh, names, but here they are. Arizona, Colorado, Florida, Maine, Michigan. That's right. I said Maine, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin in those 11 swing states, Biden leads 49-43. We've got a long way to go, folks. Look, I think bottom line here is Donald Trump will be judged on how he handles the coronavirus, not just from what has or has not been done so far, but what will happen in the future. That's my take on this edition of The Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody.